We have some children here who want to come forward and join me for a minute. Or if you are worshiping from home and want to get a little closer to your screens, we'll wave to you. Come on down. Come on down. I got to see some of you in your costumes yesterday at Trunk Retreat. That was so fun. Welcome, welcome. Well, this story that Mr. Frank just wrote. Oh, come on up. Come on up. You can bring a friend, too, if you want. <laughs> come on up. We just heard a story in the Bible that's one of my favorites. It's about a man named Zacchaeus who was kind of small. Have you ever heard the word we to describe someone who's small? He's a wee little man. You have that pop-up book. Well, you may know the song that I want to sing for us and maybe ask you to join me to sing. I have a feeling that a lot of people sitting here also know this story, this song, because I learned it when I was your age. And a lot of people learned it when they were little. So we're all going to sing it together. I'm going to show you the motions. And we'll sing it through once. If you know it, join me. And then the second time we sing it, we'll all sing it together, okay? Here it goes. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. You could tell some people in the choir know it. They helped me sing it. Thank you. All right, we're going to do it again. If you want to, you can stand up and kind of follow the motions with me. And I'm going to invite everybody else to sing too. And you can do the motions too, but you can stay seated if you want to. But all right, let's help us out. Okay. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. Yay, you sounded really good. Thank you for helping me with that. One thing I love about that song is it reminds us of all the things that Zacchaeus did to see Jesus and all the things Jesus did to make Zacchaeus feel loved. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this wonderful story where we get to see someone meet Jesus and be changed. Thank you for Zacchaeus' faith and his willingness to follow Jesus. Help us do the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you want to go to Children's Church, there's Pastor Maggie, Pastor Francis, and they will take you to Children's Chapel. I figured that uh, with COVID and the way that has affected church attendance, that we might have some little ones who hadn't learned that song yet. So I took it upon myself to teach them, and I knew a lot of you would know it, so thank you for helping me with that. One of the things that singing that song does is remind us of 
the embodiment that we see in this story of Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. There are so many verbs in the story that drew my attention. We've got Zacchaeus running and climbing and Jesus calling up and Zacchaeus standing there and then giving away half his possessions. So many incredible verbs in this story. And it's those verbs that I really want to focus on this morning. But before we get there, we have a couple of other parts of speech I want to look at real quickly. Just a noun and a couple of adjectives. In case this is a new story to you and you haven't heard it before, or maybe it's been a while, Luke tells us at the beginning of the story that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Now, we talked a little bit last week, if you were here, about tax collectors and why they were despised by their neighbors. Tax collectors were typically Jews who decided to collaborate with the Roman government to collect taxes. Rome set the rate of the taxes they wanted, and then the tax collectors would set up a franchise, and they could collect as much as they wanted above and beyond that. So if you saw a rich tax collector, you knew that he had gotten rich off of his fellow Jews. So it was no wonder that the people in the community didn't think very highly of these tax collectors. Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector, which means he sits at the top of the pyramid in Jericho, that he is benefiting from this oppressive system of taxation, and the richer he gets, the more despised he probably is. And he's probably built his wealth on some extortion and dishonesty and all of those things that we can fill in the blanks. So he is a chief tax collector. And Luke also uses the adjective rich. He is rich. Now up to this point in Luke's gospel, every time we have seen that word, it's not been positive. There's not a lot of good so far that we have seen come of the rich in Luke's gospel. It begins with Mary's song when she conceives Jesus and says, you have filled the hungry with good things, but the rich you've sent away empty. Or Jesus' sermon in chapter 7 where he says, blessed are the poor and woe to you who are rich. We've seen parables of Jesus, the rich fool who builds so many barns just so he can accumulate and keep all that he has. Or the rich man in Lazarus, the rich man who's all about enjoying his own wealth all for himself and walks every day over the body of Lazarus, a poor man who lies at his gate. And then right before this encounter with Zacchaeus, Jesus is approached on the road by a rich man who wants to know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, who seems to recognize the the priority that possessions have in this man's life, says to him, go sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and come follow me. And the man can't do it. And he walks away from Jesus' invitation. And as he walks away, Jesus says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's easy to hear that and and be discouraged and lose hope. But then we have the story of Zacchaeus that has a different ending. So we enter into this story knowing these things about Zacchaeus, chief tax collector, he's rich, and he's also short of stature. Because of that, he can't see when he's in the crowd. 
and it's because of his height that leads to some of the verbs in the story that really drew my attention and inspired me this week. Because he can't see, he decides to climb a tree. Now there's something in Zacchaeus, Luke tells us, that wants to see Jesus. He wants and longs to see Jesus. That's the first verb that drew my attention, that longing, that desire to see more of Jesus. We don't know why. We don't know if he was just curious, if this was just the latest interesting thing to pass through Jericho, or if he'd heard somewhere that Jesus was, a, was called a friend to tax collectors, if Jesus, he knew Jesus had a disciple who had been a tax collector, Levi, also known as Matthew. We don't know, but there is a longing within him. And it is deep enough for him to do these next two actions, these next two verbs that we come across. He runs ahead of the crowd and climbs a tree. These are two things that an adult male would not do in public in Jesus' day. It's undignified. He's making himself ridiculous in front of the crowds, crowds who already despise him, and yet somehow he doesn't care. He's so focused on seeing Jesus that he runs and he climbs just to see him. And I pause there and I think, when was the last time I was that hungry for God? When was the last time I ran to church or I hurried so I could get home in time to have time in prayer? Or that I was so excited to be able to do something for God that I rushed and hurried to do it. And here I see Zacchaeus running and climbing a tree, not caring what other people think. And it makes me reflect on my own desire for God. So there he is, up in the tree. And suddenly Jesus is there. And we see what Jesus does When he sees Zacchaeus, he sees Zacchaeus, he calls him by name. I don't know how he knew Zacchaeus' name, but he calls him by name. And he says, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Not just come down, but hurry down, for I must stay at your house today. And here in these verbs, I think we, we hear Jesus' eagerness to be with Zacchaeus. Jesus' desire to, to welcome Zacchaeus and show him a different way. Isn't it something to think that whatever our desire and love for God is, God's desire and pursuit of us is so much more. Jesus is already there, ready to call Zacchaeus by name. And God calls each and every one of us by name And says, hurry to be with me, for I must stay with you today. Now this verb, stay, can also be translated dwell or abide. I must abide with you. I want to abide with you. I want to come and take up residence in your life and in your heart. That's the invitation to Zacchaeus and to us. And what does Zacchaeus do? He scrambles down the tree. Well, I guess you don't scramble like that. He scrambles down the tree as fast as he can. And he is happy to welcome Jesus. We can just feel Zacchaeus' 
enthusiasm and his excitement that he's been seen for who he is and not just as a tax collector or an outcast. He is so overjoyed by being received. Now, there are many people who say this encounter with, between Jesus and Zacchaeus is, is the pattern of discipleship, that we might be curious about God, but God has already come to us. God comes to us as we are, loves us and accepts us and calls us by name, and we just receive and welcome Christ into our hearts. But as good Wesleyans, as good Methodists, we know that there's more to discipleship. We know that now what comes next is the response. The response to that grace and acceptance and unconditional love that we talk so much about around here. And for Zacchaeus, the response shows up most clearly in how he deals with his possessions. Before he met Jesus, I imagine his possessions were what gave him his identity, gave him meaning in life. But now that he's met Jesus, He's willing to give half of it away. Look, Lord, he says, half of my possessions I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone, I will pay them back four times over, far beyond what the law required. Inherent in that is to me saying, I'm going to do business differently from now on. I'm not going to extort and be dishonest from now on. I'm going to be different and I'm going to be generous. His encounter with Jesus shaped his relationship with his possessions shaped his place in the community. Because, you know, it wasn't just Zacchaeus who was transformed in this moment. His transformation had ripple effects all through the community. One of the wealthiest men in Jericho now giving half of it away to the poor, it seems he lifted up everyone with his generosity. And so the question and invitation that arises from this moment in the story is, how does my relationship with Jesus shape my verbs? How does it shape the way I act in the world? What I do with my possessions, how I treat other people, how I navigate life in the community. There's a theologian, and I can't remember who it was who said it. I didn't have time to Google it. I thought of it this morning as I was getting ready. But he said, he used, coined the term practical atheists. That a lot of us walk around saying we believe in God, but it doesn't really change how we live our lives. That how we live our lives basically looks like how most people live their lives around us. And that's not who we are, and that's not who we want to be. We want to be disciples of Jesus whose lives look different, whose lives are transformed because of our relationship with God through him. And so the challenge and invitation is to look at every aspect of my life, every aspect of our lives. Now we're in the season of, of giving and praying and thinking about what is going to be my gift to the ministries of the church in 2023. And the story of Zacchaeus just happens to fall in the lectionary. So don't worry, I'm not going to say, okay, everybody just give half and we'll be fine. <laughs> There's no magic formula. But it does raise the question, if I look at all my, what I spend my money on, does it reflect a life that's been transformed by the love and grace of God? Is there a way that I can give of myself and of what I have that liberates me and lifts up others in our community?
The story of Zacchaeus inspires me to reflect on that. Earlier this week, I went to Green Hills Library and I cast my vote for the election. And in this voting season, it's worth asking the question, how does my relationship with Christ shape how I make those decisions? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm a huge believer in the separation of church and state. As a pastor, as a church, I should never tell anybody how to vote or for whom to vote or what party to vote for because no candidate, no party has a lock on the gospel. The gospel comes first above loyalty to anything else. But I do think it's important for us as followers of Jesus to recognize that part of our life and our interaction in the community should grow out of our faith. I confess I've gone into the voting booth sometimes and I've said, I don't remember what that amendment's about. Oh, well, I guess I won't vote or I'll just mm, decide. Is it not my faithful response to educate myself and to consider the question, what will be best for my neighbors? There are so many different verbs that we live out, different ways that we live out our faith. As we go from this place, from everything from running errands to interacting with our families, how does our encounter with Christ shape everything that we do? Not only the verbs, but I'm going to end with one more part of speech, the adverb. When I look at Zacchaeus, I see a man who responds joyfully. That's our calling as well. Not to do all of these things because we're trying to earn God's favor or check a box or because somebody made me feel guilty, but because I have been named and claimed by God through Jesus Christ and joyfully I want my life to be transformed. I want to be generous and thoughtful and engaged in my community and making a difference. So we've gone from nouns to adjectives to verbs to adverbs. Perhaps we'll just end with an exclamation that Zacchaeus himself might have said that day. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God that we are seen and loved and sent out to do.